Amsterdam. I'm the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, Gangs of New York. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie podcast. It's the greatest movie Welcome to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, the Brooklyn Brawler, Rick Barrasso. And I, the big gangs of Bo- Dirk Boski. The big gangs of New Boski? Of New Boski, yeah, it's a, it's a new province. Indeed, indeed. Uh, we're going to watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? I'm doing fab. How about you? I'm doing great. Well, I, I, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say great. I had my car in for work recently, right? Just to get some work done on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they sanitized my car, which is great. But they went through and threw out my trash and accidentally threw out my phone charger. Oh, bastards. Yeah. What, what the fuck? It threw away. Oh, I guess that's part of it. But yeah, that's silly. I mean, it, it's they left other stuff in there. Like there are masks in there. There's stuff like I'm a little suspicious of this place, but yeah, we are going, we're going to a Scorsese today. So I'm, I'm happy about that. And it's quite a lot to talk about with this one. Um, we are of course getting ready to brawl in the five points with gangs of New York, but let's take care of some business first. Last week we had one of our better episodes with Lincoln. I feel check that one out or any of our library. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple podcasts, whatever app you use, subscribe, review. If you can, it is extremely helpful for the show. And if you enjoyed that one, or if you have anything else you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook at great movie cast on Twitter. We are at Rick and Rick on Instagram. And you can always shoot us an email at greatest at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And as our old friend, Bruce Wayne, our old guy that we grew up with, and he you know, helped us hide a knife after our father was murdered, which is weird because his father was also murdered. I don't know if you know the Batman story, but as he would tell us, tell your friends about us. Now, let's, uh, let's get back in the polls. We've only voted twice. Let's do our duty as Americans, vote at least three times. Mm-hmm. Gangs of New York is a 2002 historical drama directed by the great Martin Scorsese. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio as Amsterdam Valen, Daniel Day-Lewis as Bill the Butcher, Cameron Diaz as Jenny Everdeen, and Liam Neeson as Priest Valen. It made $193.8 million on a $100 million budget. It has a 7.5 on the Internet Movie Database, a 73% in Rotten Tomatoes, and a 72% on Metacritic. So, pretty equal all things uh, all things considered ebert three and a half out of four this is he says all of this is a triumph for scorsese and yet i do not think this film is in the first rank of his masterpieces it is very good but not great peter travers says a triumph of pure craft and passionate heart 
for a negative one, Stephen Rhea, Rhea, Rea from the Philadelphia Inquirer says it's an elaborately worked over opus that's as tarted up and artificial as Scorsese's 70s classic Mean Street. Uh, mean Streets was gritty and real. Derek, do you remember when you first saw this movie? I've been trying to think and trying to figure that out. I don't remember the first time I saw it, but I remember after seeing it once, I saw it like 10 other times that year because I couldn't get enough of it. Um, that's sort of my story. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I didn't see it in theaters, but I bought the DVD pretty much as soon as it came out. And it had been I watched it to the point where like the DVD got scratched up somehow. And uh, it, it had been a few years since I'd seen it before before this time. And it's interesting how my uh, my opinion maybe has shifted a little bit um, since since that time. But we'll talk about it here. Let's yeah. talk about what actually happens in the movie. Derek, have you chosen a song for, uh, for this? For this I have. Feature? I have. The song I'm choosing is the song that Daniel Day-Lewis consistently played before getting on set to pump himself up for the role, and that was Lose Yourself by Eminem. In like his, his 1800 garb. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> All right, here we go. Three. Mom's spaghetti. Mom's spaghetti. Here we go. Three, two, one go when his father is killed in a gang fight amsterdam valen swears vengeance on bill the butcher a rival racist gang gang leader who murdered his father he begins an elaborate scheme to become his protege and kill the man on the anniversary of the fight he fails at this attempt becoming too close to bill and a local thief jenny challenge is made by valen and his rebuilt gang of irish immigrants while the plot is hatching the city of new york is under racial and political strife over the civil war Riots over the draft break out on the same day as the gang fight. Ultimately, Amsterdam kills Bill and escapes with, to California with Jenny. So I'll give you two extra seconds. All right. <laughs> All right. So that's what happens in the movie. Uh, let's talk about what we liked about it uh, first here. And as, of course, we do each week with our top three favorite scenes, Derek. What's your number three scene? Before I get to three, there's a yeah. lot of scenes you can choose from. Um, sure. I, I, I had a difficult time finding my third. My one and two were a lot easier, but the third was really, really tough. And I'll probably change my mind in a couple of days. But my number three actually went to the scene where Bill kills Monk. It's a very interesting scene because Bill doesn't say anything. He's just standing there looking menacing. And Monk comes out and he's like talking to the crowd and he's like, Bill is about to get me into, you know, whatever. And he's like, what do you, what do you all think? And everyone's just quiet. And he's like, see, the people have spoken. And they don't say anything. Like, it's like, they don't care. I don't know. And he's like, come on up here. Let's, let's talk about this the political way or whatever, or like the whatever way. And Bill just throws in like a butcher's knife in the Kills back him, of yeah. Monk's back. And he puts a notch on his club, which is such like, you know, uh, you know, it's kind of in his face type thing. And then that yeah. line that you I see love this, this is you. The line that I love is like, uh, <laughs> You know, he's like, why don't you burn his ashes see if they turn green? Like, <laughs> uh, it's just a, a, a scene you're like, oh, shit. And, and I think actually when he does kill him, he uses the club one more time to just bash his head in. And it's yeah, like the shillelagh. Yeah. pretty, pretty violent. But uh, it's definitely an interesting and good scene. Yeah, I, 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 I like that scene. Uh, Monk's a great character, but it, it it really does show that Bill is just completely off the deep end at this point. Like even let's say things go Bill's way in the in the in the fight with with Amsterdam, it's like 
he's got nothing going for. Like he has no power anymore. He just murdered an elected official in broad daylight. He's lost. Listen, Rick, listen, Rick, listen, Rick, that's the minority vote. Sure. But uh, you know what? He's, (laughs) he's got no backing from Tammany hall anymore. He's fucked. Uh, Even if he didn't die. My, uh, my number three scene actually is the, um, the, the, the final fight and the riots. Um, and it's just so super chaotic and like, and just crazy. Um, there's so much happening here and I just find it interesting where it's, it just builds up to this confrontation and you get it to an extent, but you're more expecting like the two, you know, the dead rabbits and the natives to fight it out and they do, but it's just overtaken by this bigger issue you know yeah you you don't get that climactic fight you're looking for but it's still justified yeah and it it, i think it it works because it's to me what what that's saying is there's yes this is a real issue between the two men but there are bigger societal issues that need to take precedence and they literally and figuratively do when it just like walks right over like i think um oh god what's the character's name from tammany hall um tweed yeah boss tweed boss tweed uh who was a real person uh but boss tweed he says like listen he says something listen bill the future's coming whether or not you're like you're with and like that's what it is it's like society is kind of just overtaking uh bill the butcher's little like fiefdom right right you know, and that's kind of what that scene is uh, figuratively. But I think there's so much cool shit happening. You, you know, know yeah, like, I don't, shit happening well, I don't know but. what it is about this movie, but like, I want to like, I want to be like immersed into this world because it doesn't feel like my world. And it's obviously it's not. Yeah. And it's not because it's, it's the 1800s. But I don't know what it is. I think since we started the Civil War month, I've like really been intrigued by anything having to do with like the 1860s. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of funny to me, too, where like. The 60s of the 1800s and the 60s of the 1900s seem to be like the most fascinating decades. Um, maybe not, maybe not in the 1900s as much because you get the world wars and stuff. But uh, it's just fun. It's just like I want to know more. I want to do more. And and it's just like I did a lot of research on some of this stuff. And there's like one of the scenes. We're probably not going to mention this one specifically, but it's the scene where there's like a, a house on fire. Yeah, and like two different groups of firemen come down. And I always wondered, I'm like, what is the, what's the deal with that? And I actually watched the Gangs of New York documentary, and they were saying how back then the, uh, New York City didn't have any professional firemen. They just had people who would volunteer. And so they were like, whatever group of fire people came down and volunteered first, the town would pay them out cash. Wow. That's why the two chased each other down the street. Who's going to get there well, first? It was kind of bullshit. Well, it's interesting. Like on that, the so yes, that was in... Um, in, in New York at the time, in America at the time, but that stuff like that goes back to like human history. Like the, the richest person to ever live, supposedly, was Marcus Crassus in ancient Rome, right? And he made his money by monopolizing the the fire department in Rome, in ancient Rome. So what he would do is anytime there was a fire he'd bring his crew down and basically lean on the people whose house was on fire and be like, 
hey, so uh, how much will you give me to put this fire out? That's, and, messed, that's all messed up. <laughs> yeah. And like speculation is that like, well, at that point, it makes sense that his people would start fires. Right. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, what was so, the deal in the movie when he was like, light that house on fire? And the guy's like, what are you doing? It's my house. And then everyone yeah. ran in and just robbed it. It was like, so like, that's so messed up. Like a town actually like thinks that's okay. But I think things were, things was things were much more like the wild west back then anyway. So it was like, anything goes, we, right. we have laws, but if you break them, whatever. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it, it was well, so yeah, obviously well, like stratified as far as like, you know, this is the, this is like the bad side of town basically, you know, or we'll just need some hangings. Tweed's like, ah, oh, we need yeah. some hanging. It was like so fucked up. Yeah, no, I mean that's what that's what people that's what people do. Uh, like, I, I the, the fact that that in that scene where they're hanging, they were like uh, that like one little performance by that the guy who's leading the charge is <laughs> like, dead boy, son of me, a dead boy. Look, look up at your daddy. It's so messed up. So let's go. Uh, what's your number two scene? So my number two was actually one of the, in my opinion, one of the. It's it's one of my favorite scenes. You've already mentioned it. It's it's the epic end battle sequence. Sure. It's it's just like it's so chaotic. I love the little narrations of like 23rd Street. There, there's rioting going on, and you just see, see things going, things happening. The circus has escaped, the elephant. Um, they're getting ready for battle, and you have that epic whistling music that I freaking love from this movie. It's so creepy and like airy, like people are gonna die type thing. And uh it's just like I mean, it's everything I want in a scene. It's just so dramatic. And then there's like the the lynchings, which is so effed up. Like, right. there's so much going on. And then they finally are about to fight. And you're right. All the cannons go off, and the city is just under siege, and everything's going to, going to shit. And Bill and 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 Valen have that last little like epic fight. And they're both like half dead because of the the chaos. And they're on each other's knees, and it's almost like. They're looking at each other like, do you see what's happening around us? This, this, this may be part in our fault, like our fault. Yeah. And, and I feel like Bill in a lot of ways has that look in his eye where he's just like, we did this too. And then he says that line, which apparently the real Bill the Butcher, which his name is Bill Poole, did say, which is, at last I die a true American. <laughs> and then Valen just shoves his knife right. in him and ends it. And uh, I love that glass eye closing too. It's like the end of an empire. Yeah. Uh, great, great scene. And and there's so many um, so many moments of like the relationship between Bill and Amsterdam. And that's like such the heart of the movie. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And I th- I think so much of this movie wouldn't work if it didn't have that um, sort of like strong like backbone of that of those two actors and those two characters. Um, I, I, but yeah, and then some of the narration too. Like some of my favorite lines are like just narration. Like when Valen's like. It's interesting being under the wing of a dragon. It's warmer than you think. Yeah. And it's like he's starting to forget. And then when he saves his life, he's like, shit. Like he goes home and he's crying. He's like, what am I doing? I just saved this man's life and killed my dad. But here's, here's, I guess, a question I had. Uh, Bill the Butcher, terrible guy, racist. Yeah. Awful. Right. Yep. The, the fight between Bill the Butcher and, and Priest Valen are like, it's, it's a fair fight. It it is and it isn't because you know Bill does throw a guy in front of him and kind of just, it's not as fair as you would think. But it's like, but it's like a gang fight. It's, it's a gang fight. Like, yeah, you know, it's not like Street Fighter, like Mortal Kombat, where it's one on one. But it's like everything they do in the process of that fight is like within the bounds of the fight. 
Okay, you know, let, agree let, upon rule. Let me ask you this because I, I do kind of understand where you're coming from because I kind of feel that way too. What would happen? Do you think if Valen was like the priest is my is my father? I'm not here for revenge. I just wanted to let you know who I was. I'm around the town. We're buddies now. Like I understand gang warfare. I understand why you killed him. I understand that he cut your eye. Like he he almost killed you. Like, do you think Bill still would have like had him killed or killed him? Knowing what he knows that Valen's uh, a straight up. No. Just, yeah. No, because I think there are people in that were in the dead rabbits that were around. That's true. And, they joined they joined the, yeah. the, the natives. Yeah. So yeah. I, I mean and and Bill is like you know yeah, and, and they're like close to Bill as well. So I I don't think Bill would necessarily like let him in, but yeah, at least not as quickly as he did. Or, or if he well, I'm saying that if he, he like if he told him right before he tried to kill him, like he didn't kill him at all, but he was at that status, like that close to Bill already. And then he in. tells him. That's a good question. I feel like, well, that's a good segue because I think my number two, my number two scene is the scene in which Bill, not knowing that Amsterdam is priest Valen's son, tells him about his relationship with priest Valen. Oh man. When, that Great dialogue in that scene. It's yeah. It's incredible. And it's just like, the respect that he has for his opponent. I think in his, um, here's the other thing. I think Bill also has this respect for like the rules of the gang fight. Yeah. So he, you know, if, and like the, the disgust that he has with Amsterdam is like because of the secrecy, but um, yeah, I, I think this scene, it was just like, all right. Dan or, or Bill, they probably had to call him on set. You know, Bill. Do not is... call him Dan on set. He was yeah, Bill the entire time. <laughs> He's like, actually, I prefer Danny. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think they were just like, all right, Bill, just go. Just do what you got to do. Like, yep. they, And they just put a camera up. I don't think like the, the camera does not move a ton in this scene. And Leo's great in the scene as well. He's like seething. But he's like, he can't show it. Yeah. And they're like, all right, Cameron Diaz, you can just face the other direction. We don't have to put the camera on you for a while. Um, yeah, it, it's um, it's just, I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis, like two weeks in a row now, just fucking killed it. Like, yeah, just just the, you know, the, the story, you know, that he t- does tell when he's because I think the priest, he mentions that he's like the only his the only honorable man, last honorable man. Yeah. And he's like, I, I wrapped up my eyeball and sent it to him like i yeah. think if, i think the priest meant something to him as far as being like his his enemy but i think he respected him too um I th- yeah i think this is like obviously bill the butcher is a psychopath but this is like as close as he can get to like i love this guy like he was my brother so i had to fucking kill him right right <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, and it's like kind of the same. It's like the greatest thing he ever did for me was beat the shit out of me and met, leave my face like a jumbled mess of nonsense. Right. And he's like, "This was a great man. This is a great man." <laughs> oh well, you wonder like, how did that fight end? Nobody died. They just finished the day, and they're like, "Oh, come well, that, on. that's that's what he was saying in that story. Where it's just like he found me so pathetic that he just left me to. Die oh, that's right. He own. left me to die on my own. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't. I didn't deserve to be killed by him. And it's just like, oh, okay. which is funny because foreshadowing later when he's talking about uh, Amsterdam and he's like, he ain't earned a clay death by my hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. So what is your, uh, what is your number one? And well, to, to, to say the segue, I think if he goes to, uh, if he goes to build a butcher after this, I think it rings hollow for bill. Cause it's like, Oh, now you're going to tell me that like, you're the son of this guy. All right. Yeah. Fuck off. But I think it, before this, you know, if, if let's say after like the boxing match, he goes and he's like, Bill, listen, I got to tell you something. You know, when he says like, oh, it's being, it's so warm under the wing of a dragon. If he goes, Bill, I got to tell you something like, I, d- I don't hold it against you, but I was, you know, I just, I just wanted to, you know, wait until I felt like I was safe. You know, I'm, I'm Priest Valen's son. Maybe, maybe Bill's like, okay, like you're, you know what? Uh, yeah. Cause it seems like, you know, when his buddy there, it tells, tells Bill that like, oh, listen, this is, he, he's a traitor. He wants to, I feel like at first Bill's kind of like, Oh, you know, lucky he considers you a friend and spits in the floor. Yeah. But then when he tells him he's going to kill him, then Bill's like, all right, well fuck this guy then. So I yeah. wonder if he just found out then he would have been like, well, you know what? At least I don't know. Well, who knows? Uh, it's unanswerable question. So what's your, uh, what's your number one scene? Oh, uh, my number one is the, is the first scene in the movie, the, the intro. Um, it is just, I remember when I first saw it, I was just like, man, I think I want to say that I had seen, I had seen fellowship and I had seen two towers. And then I think I saw gangs because gangs, I think came out. I want to say in December of 2002, which yes, was the same, same, same month as two towers. Years, two towers yeah. but I saw two towers. first. That was my priority. And then I saw gangs, but I remember of course being obsessed with the two towers battle of Helm's deep. And then, but I saw this type of battle and I was like, I remember thinking, man, this is a good time for movies. <laughs> um, there's a lot of good cinematography and fighting and stuff. And I love battles and stuff in movies, but this was really, bl- this was like, I could deal with like an orc being decapitated or an elf being hit with an arrow. But for some reason, these gritty like men from New York getting their limbs chopped off was a little bit much. And I was like, oh man, this is kind of crazy. But the whole the, 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 that, that Irish little like whistling like song that they play and you just meet each character as they keep coming along in the walk. It's such great camera work. It's such great acting. I, I love it. I, I just think of like John C. Riley and, and, and the guy who, you know, McGloin, who ends up joining the natives later right. and Maggie, the, the one with the, the, the cat or whatever with the, with the claws and stuff. Wildcat like, Maggie or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. And it's, and it's crazy to me that like the battle ends when, when priest is killed and it, it is it is honorable in a way where it's like somebody blows a horn like the, one of the leaders is dead so this is this day is over the ears and the noses will be the uh, the prizes but nobody touches him because i want everyone to know that i'm an honorable man <laughs> and right. the, the shot of like young amsterdam like hugging his dad and and bill just like kneeling over and he just gives him the knife he's like you're going to need this across the river well across the ocean whatever that means i thought maybe he yeah. means like when you're going to meet your maker you might need this knife, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I think it was like crossing the river sticks is what he was saying. Yeah, like, yeah. But, yeah. But what a shot of the three of them right there. And Bill's just like, make sure he gets a good education. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's yeah. like so nonchalant. He's like, oh, I'm doing this crazy thing. He's like, actually, you know what? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Make sure you take him to school, whatever. Like, and, Yeah. And it's, it, and it's, it's great storytelling where Monk, you think Monk robs him. But then later in the movie, you're like, I kept this this thing for safekeepings. You're like, oh, I do like Monk. He's a good guy. Yeah. Like, it's kind of crazy. But uh, it's for me, it also like Monk is literally standing at the door and he's like, for a price, I'll go. And he's like, what if he was just like, nah, I'm good. And he's just going, okay, I'll kick the door open anyway and then walk away. <laughs> like, you're the closest to the battle. And you're like, 
I think he, he just leaves and they get to like awkwardly open the door. And it's yeah. Like, All right. Everyone through. Or, or they stood there longer just talking about price. Nah, yeah. a little, little bit higher, priest. You sure? This is as high as you can go. All right. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you a little bit more. Oh, God. Great scene. Priest Valen's like, you're breaking my balls. <laughs> you're breaking my balls, monk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right so uh so my number one scene is the uh, is the scene where uh, amsterdam uh tries to kill bill and i i like it because of just all this build-up where you know first bill is like i mean he knows what's gonna happen so he's absolutely fucking with everybody so yeah i i, I like it because like bill is just clearly like he knows what's gonna happen so he's just fucking with everyone he like he's throwing knives at jenny and just like absolutely menacing her yeah and then you kind of see through leo's eyes where it's like all right well the like the chinese like bar owners like he's like taken away and it's like Think things are like not going as well as they should be. They're not going smoothly, and he's just like, "Fuck it, I'm doing it anyway. We're going." Right, and uh, it it just fails, and then you know, Bill just like the absolute disdain he has for Amsterdam, who like tried to try to murder him. Yep, and I feel like you know, and he's like, "I'm not even going to give you a clean death. Like you don't deserve to be killed by me." Right. And I love the scene where he does throw the knife at first. And he's like, that's a wound. Yeah. Um, you know, it was like, it's like he, he does, like he does care about him in his weird, like build a butcher way. Yep. And that like, yeah, it's, oh, it's such, it's, I mean, it's, it's such a great Daniel Day Lewis scene, you know? What will it be? The heart, the heart. There's boy, there's no heart. Yeah. His accent in, is one of my favorite things to just do during the day. It's just the, the Bill the Butcher, you know. Every time I see, like, an, an outfit of his, like, online for sale, I'm like, ah, man, if I only like, lose, like, 70 pounds, <laughs> I, could, I could wear that around. Um, but great, great clothing, too, just in general. Like, props to the, to the, uh, to the props people. Yeah. <laughs> the designer. All right. So that's what we liked about the movie. Let's, uh, let's talk about what we maybe didn't work so well for us. Um, I think we probably both have at least one in common. Um, so you're going to be surprised by this, but I don't really have anything. I, I will say about five years ago, I would say that the weak point of this movie is Cameron Diaz. But the more I watch it, the more I just don't care as much of her performance. I think it's passable. I think back then I was like up against Day-Lewis and DiCaprio. But the more I see it, the more I'm like, I think it fits. I think it works. And she was the one that like, you know, Scorsese was looking at a few different actresses and, and the the stu- the company was like, you really need to get somebody who's more bankable. So therefore, Cameron Diaz. Yeah, but- I want to I want to actually go through the list. Uh, yeah, Kate, I Kate, save this from miscellaneous. Kate, Kate Winslet was supposed to be that. She would have been great. But see, that's I mean, I'm just look, going off IMDb. So it, this could be easily um, you know, not 100 percent right. But the originally and you have to remember that this is the like height of her fame. Um, what I what I read was Sarah Michelle Geller. Like this would have been like during Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So this would have like because I I don't think Cameron Diaz is good in this movie. Like I, I like they tried like this is right around the same time as like Vanilla Sky, where they're like oh we're gonna make Cameron Diaz a dramatic actress and it didn't work. And 
uh, you know, Sarah Michelle Geller, I don't know. I, I think we've talked about this before is that there are some actresses and actors that kind of like they're of their time. They don't belong in 1860. And I feel like, or 1863 when this movie takes place right. for the most part, Cameron Diaz, I feel like is one uh, Sarah Michelle Geller. I feel like is another Cameron Diaz belongs only in the year 1995. I mean, like from 95 to 2005, like that's her time. I mean, I just got to say her in the mask. That's my Cameron Diaz. Oh, of course. Of course that and like something about Mary. So they had, uh, ultimately it was Cameron Diaz, but she was, it was originally Sarah Michelle Gellar. She had to drop out because Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, and then, it was going to be Sarah Polly, who you would probably know as the lead actress in the Dawn of the Dead remake. Okay. Uh, but she's, she's a great actress. She doesn't act a ton anymore. She's mostly like a documentarian. Mm-hmm. Um, she would have been great, I feel like. Let's go through. There is another list of people who are considered for the role. And I'm just going to run through the list. And let's just say yay or nay, better, worse, or equal to Cameron Diaz. Okay. Uh, and again, this is IMDb. Who knows how accurate it is? Right. Uh, Christina Applegate. No. No. Kate Beckinsale. Maybe. I'm going to say yes. Okay. Kirsten Dunst. She has a very Cameron Diaz look to her, where like she, I don't know. She's, I'm, I'm just used to her face. I think she's a better actress, d- dramatic actress than Cameron Diaz. Yeah, I could see, I could see, I could see her actually. Yeah. Uh, Eliza Dushku. I don't know. Again, I think she has that thing where it's like she belongs in, you know, the year 2000. Right. <laughs> you know? Okay. Um, Heather Graham. Um, I mean, she was okay. And from hell, I, I got to admit, I'm say I, about equal. I'm, I'm not, a, I, I'm not a big fan of hers um, in general. Yeah, but She's another one. That's like, she's a comedic actress to me. Even then she's not funny either to me. She's not funny. She's not attractive. I don't like her as an actress. You don't think she's attractive? I don't think Heather Graham's attractive. She's more annoying than anything to me. Like in, in wow. Austin Powers, that's the whole a, movie, I'm like, a... I'm like, you're not, you're not. What's your name? Uh, the one from yeah. the first one. You're not her. Heather yeah. Hurley is dropped it gorgeous. And I can listen to her talk all day, but Heather Graham, she was like a downgrade for me. That's my opinion. Bryce Dallas Howard. I think she's too young at this point. Oh, is she like 15? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alyssa Milano. Man, it would have been a good a good role for her to take, considering she was probably doing nothing at that point. She was on Charmed at that point, like well, she was. Yeah, she like that. She, I mean, as far as movies, though, it was like really not doing much. Yeah, that would have been a, that would have been great to to escalate her to the to the yeah. big screen. Natalie Portman, yes, e- like easy to me. Yeah, I think I think she's I think she's I think she's a little bit overrated as an actress, but I do I do like her. Christina Ricci, yes. Yeah. In fact, that might be the best choice I've heard so far. Uh, Winona Ryder. Uh, is she a little? I think Cameron Diaz is a little too old for the role. Not that she's like old for the earth, but she's just like at the time she's like let for me this ask you, role. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Winona Ryder is she's a pretty girl, but like, yeah. do you think she's pretty enough for Gangs in New York? Where like. Every, all the guys are like, "Ooh, look at her!" Like, do you think she? Because I think she is, but in a different way. Yeah, I think I think we I think they could easily make that work. Okay, like yep. she. Um, and the last one is Mina Savari. Uh, what is she in? She is in American Beauty. She's the uh, the friend that Kevin Spacey tries to sleep with. 
Oh, and maybe. Yeah, I, I would. I would say about equal. I, my, so, out of all the ones you chose, I think Christina Ricci is my favorite for the role. I think so too. I think if if of that, I actually I do think that um, uh, they did hire, and the studio was like, no, 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 no. Uh, who was um, Sarah Polly? Yeah, Sarah Polly would be the best one, right? From what I've seen, but they were like, no, no, no. Just get somebody bankable. Which honestly, you get Leo and you get Scorsese. I, how, how much money do you think Cameron Diaz added to the gross of this movie? Well, didn't I could have sworn that I read that DiCaprio and Scorsese both took pay cuts um, to, in order sure. to make the movie yeah. correct. And I know, yeah, I know that. I don't know if you're going to get to this eventually as who was who was originally thought of for Bill the Butcher. But the name that comes up and it was actually an offer that Scorsese literally offered Tom Hanks the role. <laughs> Yeah. And he was yeah, like, I'm do doing that. Road to Perdition, so I can't. And it's like, I'm kind of glad Tom Hanks did not play Bill the Butcher because yeah, I love Tom that, Hanks. I don't know if he could handle that type of role. Yeah, I did. I did read De Niro as well. De Niro would have been very interesting because I, yeah. I think especially in the early 2000s would have been yes. good for him to do. Yeah, I agree. Because he, 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 he goes a while without like a big prestige role. Yeah, like. his Bill the Butcher would have been a lot different, but yes, would have been very interesting. It's, it's funny. Like it's. Like he had these big. Scorsese, like, I mean, he eventually works with him in The Irishman. Yep. But it's like he could have been Villa Butcher and he could have been Costello. Yep. Costello. I was thinking that too. Yeah. And it's but, like, I kind of feel like this movie in a lot of ways is kind of like a rough draft for The Departed because I feel like the, you know, The, the Departed has like the Matt Damon character, which one really doesn't yep. have like an, an equal, but like the Leo character in that. And the Leo character in this being like, oh, we're gonna get real close to the devil to like in order to bring him down. Right. It's it's very similar. Um, yeah, and you know, speaking of De Niro more, like past two thousand, I can't really think of a lot of performances where he was like went over and beyond, like like you know, like a taxi driver type role. Sure. I, I can't think of any, so I don't know if if Bill if if he could have made Bill the Butcher as colorful as Day Lewis. I'm not sure. It would it would it would have been very different. It would have been right. extremely different. Yeah. Um, but I can I can kind of see him sitting in that chair being like, this was a great man. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the other thing is like, I think this movie really gets into like granular. And this is a long movie. I think we could have shaved a little time off of it. Uh, or at least like, I really don't need like narration by DiCaprio being like, well, this was this kind of like thief and this was this kind of thief, but you know, she was Cameron Diaz is this kind of thief. And it's like, okay, like, fine, we get it. There's a lot going on here. You can just show us. You don't have to fucking tell us. And like, I, I like don't need to know that. You know? See, I'm, the, I'm the opposite. Cause I like Scorsese. That's like Scorsese's thing where he like does the narration and shows who's who I, I like that. That's like one of my favorite parts of the movie. I actually wish it was longer for that reason. Just, just tell me everything it, about this so, town. That brings me to, I guess, another question. Is this? I I think I'll, I'll just put it as a statement. I think this works better as a as a ten episode TV series than it does in a movie. Um, I mean, I this is one of my favorite movies ever. Um, so it's hard for me to say, but would I like to see it as a series? You betcha. That would have been awesome. Right. I, but I think this, yeah, the stuff in this. Well, is, I, I get I get your point of like, it, yeah. if you're going to show all the different thieves, maybe we should show them doing things. You know, right. And, and, and I feel like um, you know, there are certain characters that we don't, 
you know, with Happy Jack, you know, with, um, I don't know what, like what happened in that 15 years to him to make him like, he's clearly at the beginning of the movie, like an absolute true believer. Yep. And we see him then as like, he's just a hundred percent about the money. Yeah. I mean, I I guess the short answer would be like the town's changed. Things have changed. Um, He needs to make a buck. Yeah. But like, he's so, you know, he, he go like Bill the butcher is like leaning on him and he, you know, wh- yeah. why is he so different that he's just like, yeah, I'll just kill my, like, my, you know, I was this guy's right-hand man. I'm just going to kill his son now. Right, right. Because, you know, because Bill the Butcher, like, I'd like to see them delve into that a little bit. I think the movie is a little busy. Yeah, that would be my criticism of it. Okay. And there's so much good stuff in it. And, it, like, clearly, like, it's, it's, there's a lot of excellent stuff here. Yeah. But I think there's a lot that it's like, I don't need this, you know? Right. You know, and, and I think expanding it and like, it would maybe giving a bit more life to some of these characters, like the, um, you know, I forget the character's name, but like the, the, the black guy and then like the new dead rabbits, does oh. he even like have a line? In Jimmy, the movie? Is it like Jimmy slips yeah, or something Jim, like that? Yes. Yeah, sli- something yeah. like that. Does he have a line in the movie? Yeah, he does. Cause he, he fights uh, when he meets Amsterdam, he fights him. And he's like, right. he's like, ain't going to be much of a fight. Yeah. But like, that's it. Like, wh- who the hell is that? Like, what, you know, like I, it's like his death scene. He's like, Ooh. like it's, it's, you know, I, I don't care enough about him. I feel well, like. Also, like, it's kind of weird that like everybody's together getting ready for war and he's like, not there. Yeah. And then he gets lynched and it's like, well, why weren't you with yeah. your guys? <laughs> yeah. You should have been like, it's just like, they're like no Irish only. Like what? Right. That, like right, right, they right. get lost. Yeah. So, oh, I thought it was going to be down. I thought it was going to be uptown. There we go. <laughs> right, right. You, you got the wrong information. Yeah. <laughs> um, you didn't answer your text, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm getting an Uber now. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Riots. <laughs> Today had to be the day for this. It had to yeah. be. All right, let's go to medals. Um, who, do you, who do you have for bronze? Uh, DiCaprio is my bronze. Um, this is like the end. I feel like this is the end or the beginning of like DiCaprio's reign of of just amazing performances. I'm um, not not taking away from Titanic, but he was kind of a kid yeah. still. Yeah, and, and I, I think yeah. I think Di- I I have DiCaprio's bronze as well. But to that point, I think DiCaprio is like a little underbaked in this movie. Like he's if he had made if he had been in this movie two to three years later, it would have been so much better. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just by reading some of the stories, like I know DiCaprio at one point, like he was, he went on set too late cause he was drinking the night before. And like, he got like shit on by everybody. So like, he's still making his way as like, I have to be as professional as possible. So I think this is like the beginning of the end of like him being a child yeah. actor, you know, but, right. uh, and that, and that's why I say it's kind of like in so many ways, this is like the rough draft of the departed. Yep. Where it was like, by that time, you know, four years later, five years later, like, okay, Leo is established as like an adult actor who, you know, is like, could conceivably go toe to toe with some of these heavyweights, you know? Yeah. And, and I, you know, that's the one thing that I do when I watch this movie is I, I like to just spend time watching the way he reacts to things and, and says lines and stuff. And he really is a flawless actor, even at this time, like you believe him so much in this role. 
um, that you can just tell like, okay, he's got a really bright future. Everything he does since then is, you know, going forward is like really tremendous as far as his acting goes. And I'm so glad they threw in like when DiCaprio cries in a movie, it's like, I think I will say this right now. I think if we had a podcast called the greatest criers of all time, DiCaprio wins that one. I think he is like just so believable when he's emotional um, you know, going from like Gilbert Grape to gangs to the b- basketball diaries. I mean, he, everything he does it in, it's like, oh, it's heavy duty. Um, I think this this year, and I, this is the same year as, um, or right around the same time as uh, Catch Me If You Can. The same, yeah, it came out the same year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> same year, and it's like this is the beginning where it's like he works with Spielberg and Scorsese in the same year. Ooh. And I know this one, like it, it was delayed, so it's you know, but it's uh it's like, this is kind of the beginning of his strategy, which is just like, I want to work with this guy. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, he just works with all these like huge name directors now for the most part. And basically becomes Martin Scorsese's son. So yeah, his new, his new, you know, <laughs> his, his uh, new bu- his new- graduated. So now, yeah, his new Bobby money. <laughs> yeah. So he's your silver. My silver is to uh, the, the, the Scorsese himself. Um, Marty, Marty. He's uh, he's one of my favorite directors of all time. Uh, he's, you know, I, I don't think at the time I was shocked that he made a movie like that because I didn't understand the scope of his work by at that point because I was sure. still kind of young. I think I was only like 13 or 14. But now looking back, you're like, wow, that's a pretty bold move that he made. I mean, yeah, he did make the, the, the Last Temptation of Christ back in the late 70s, but this felt different. Like he, he really spent, this was almost like a, not that I'm comparing him to Peter Jackson, but like, it was almost to the point where like, you're creating a whole world here. This is a time, time pieces are tough. You can tell you got to be detailed. And I, I love all these little details and I love his narrations and I love everything he does. And the, I think the movie may be busy, but I think that Scorsese never fails at editing a movie or like having that played out great. And I think that, you know, especially that, that last scene that we talked about, where everything was happening at once. It's so intense and the, and the cops marching on the cobblestone and shooting the the camera work is is bar none. It's it's some of the best I've seen. So he's my silver. Yeah, uh, my silver as well. I mean, this is this is very much like a passion project for him. You can yep. you can tell. Like he's to the point where I think he was like, I love this world so much, and you know, I, it almost too much. Um, yeah. You know, so a lot of the reviews I read kind of agreed with me. It was just like they're you know, get, spend more time with the characters. Like, you know, the world is secondary, but you can tell how much he loves it. And, you know, he, he finds his new guy in Leo at this point. And yeah, I mean, Scorsese, he's fucking brilliant. What do you, what do you want to do? Like, do you know, what, do you, what do you want me to say here? <laughs> did you know Martin Scorsese offered the role of monk to Liam Neeson? Yes. Yeah. I that's pretty, that. and, and then Liam Neeson was like, I want priest. And it's funny. It's what usually I'm like, that would never work, but I'm listening. I think it would have absolutely worked if you played Monk. Who is, well. who is priest Valen in that scenario? I wonder, do yeah. they still go for like another big name? Let like me see. Cameo? You know, it's funny. I don't have a priest Valen listed for my casting. Cause I thought it was too hard. I don't. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> that was the one, uh, that was the one that I left off. Cause I'm like, I don't know who would play with a Liam Neeson. Like who, who, who yeah. is that? Yeah, I love the story as well. Where it's like, you know, Scorsese and George Lucas, they're good friends. Part of that, you know, friend group with you know spielberg and and coppola and all that like uh, george lucas visits the set and it's like the the how impressive is they built this you know they went to italy they built this fucking 1860s new york and george lucas is like uh marty uh, you know you can do this computers now right oh god i would i would have loved to have been there for scorsese's reaction to that 
man that is, but <laughs> yeah. i just oh god and i was like hey george you know that's like ruining your movies right yeah and like it's <laughs> and i'm sure they get to like treat george lucas with kids glove kid gloves at that point because he's like right in the middle of the prequels and it's just like yeah they're making a ton of money but it's like george like he's Scorsese is like if i was doing star wars yoda would be in a fuck he'd be somebody playing yoda in a fucking suit in 2023 yeah <laughs> he hates uh, he hates that shit yeah. you can tell he does yeah but. I feel like they and you know what I I don't know what their relationship is like, but I feel like they're friends through Spielberg. Hey, we're popular directors, so we'll get along. Yeah, it's like no, and they like they went to school together, and they're like you know they they all like hit it big in the seventies, and they all had like you know they all had an appreciation for you know different types of cinema that was like it was tougher to get back then. But listen, like, if George Lucas did but, Gangs in New York, Bill the Butcher would be CGI. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I think, uh, I think, uh, you know, what if we painted him red and black and put horns on his head for the last battle? Oh man. I like to see, uh, I like to see a, uh, I'm sure somebody made this the opening battle with all lightsabers. <laughs> <laughs> At the end. And they're like, I do. I mean, I, one thing I, I, yeah. Well, okay. I assume our goal is, is, is Dan Day Lewis. I, I, I die a true American. Leo's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just disappears at the end. Yeah. Like, fucking Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, I like the. I was just thinking of the scenes where it's like they're they're like setting the terms of the last fight. And Bill of Butcher's in there reading the, the paper, you know, and like and he's like so nonchalant, but you can tell it's just like I just want him to know I don't care. I so want him to know I don't care. Right. Um, and. He's into the scene where what if he's just like Leo's like weapons and he's like, yep, uh, blades, clubs, lightsabers. <laughs> I love his little remarks too. And he's like, guns, no guns. He's like, good boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's like stuff like that where it's just like, he's, I feel like Bill is so upset with himself that he cared about this kid. He's like, fucking, ah, oh, this fucking kid. Like, I, I let myself fall in love again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and just like this. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, it's such a it's such a great character. Bill. I'm, just like, thinking, I'm, I'm just thinking of all the scenes, and like one of the things he says is like when when Happy Jack is like, I- "I'm here to obey the law," and he's just like, "What in the world are you talking about?" And like, yeah. just, <laughs> always just when he calls him a meat-headed shit sack. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's one of the scenes I love is when he's like fake crying about the dead rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> like he's so good. This oh, is like, man. is this, is this peak Daniel Day-Lewis or, or, or is there, or is there too many peaks for his career? It's, it's tough to say. Cause like, is this a peak versus there will be blood versus right. Lincoln Probably, like, yeah, I mean, versus my left foot versus oh, last the Mohicans? Like, every, you... Yeah. Every few years when he makes a movie, that's another peak of Day-Lewis. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So Daniel, like, listen, you can't fuck with it. It's Daniel Day-Lewis. Like. Two weeks in a row, gold from both of us. Yeah, I'm gonna miss him next week. <laughs> yeah. Well, we get uh, Matthew Broderick. So all right, uh, all righty. <laughs> uh, let's get a recasting. Uh, all right. I have Amsterdam, Bill the Butcher, Jenny, uh, Johnny, who is Henry Thomas's character, and Happy Jack, who is John C. Riley's character. So I don't have Johnny, but I do have Tweed and Monk. Okay. Uh, who do you have for Tweed? I haven't looked at these since I did it. And that was a couple days ago. So now I'm looking at it and I'm laughing now. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Is this a-? My Tweed is actually Gary Oldman. Uh, I, I just want him and Neil Day-Lewis to have scenes together. Yeah. And this is my way of doing that. <laughs> okay. 
And uh, who's your monk? My monk is, and this is a, this is kind of a weird one, but my monk is actually Sean Bean. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Again, it needs, it needs a guy with like gravitas for that. Yeah, role. I need somebody with grit and stuff. And I, I again, this is like, you know, a fantasy of like, who can I put in scenes with the Lewis, Sean Bean? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll go. So I have Johnny uh, is, is when he said, I believe he didn't have. Um, and I have. So my cast is a bit younger than the okay. movie, I feel like, because I, I feel like some of these characters are very young, but they're being played old or they're like, yeah, I think Bill says he's like 47. 47, yep. Yeah. Uh, so my uh, my Johnny is an actor by the name of Barry Kagan. Okay. Who he's like breaking out right now. He's a guy who like, my Johnny's a little bit like, you don't know if you can trust him. Yep. Yeah, he's like, he's he's a little bit like, you know, to, to bring it back to one of our one of our first episodes, a little artful dodgerish. Yep. And this guy, this when this character, when this actor shows up in anything, his character is going to cause some chaos. Okay. Like, yep. I, I've seen, I, 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 I know his face. Yeah. Whenever he shows up, like he's been in uh, this year, he's in Eternals, he's in a Marvel movie. And oh, he's in the Green Knight. He's in the Green Knight. He's excellent in the Green, Green Knight's. Yeah. An incredible movie. Okay, I heard. A, I follow an A twenty four Facebook page, yeah. And every few posts is about the Green Knight. And somebody that says they hate it or they love it. Yes, yeah. You the the Green Knight. It's like it's gonna work for you, or it's gonna absolutely not work for you. And it, it gotcha. worked for me. But he like he's great in anything. He just shows up and it's just like, what if shit goes sideways? Mm. And he he's I I feel like he'd be great in that. Nice. Um. All right. So. Let's go Happy Jack. Who do you have? This is another weird one. You're going to be like, huh, yeah. what? I don't know why, but uh, I was picturing Kevin Bacon. Yeah, sort no, of I like can see that. Drunkish Irish Kevin cop. Bacon, a name that I don't think has been mentioned ever on this show, but he's great. Yeah, I just thought like I could picture him in the seat where he's like, I, I obey the law, Bill. And he's just like, you know, and and, and I think my Bill is, is uh, well, we'll get to him, but I think it works. I have two that I'm still deciding for for Bill. That's funny. I have, t- I have two listed too, but I have a, I have a definite. Okay. Uh, my happy Jack is uh, Jesse Plemons. <laughs> Jesse Plemons. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Uh, the, the, yeah. the, 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 the B version of Matt Damon. He's yeah. He's like uh, <laughs> he, I feel like we've seen him do like, obviously breaking bad. He has like, if he wanted to do like the very removed performance, but like he's in stuff now where he's like, he was just, I don't know if you saw jungle cruise. He plays like, a very like mustache twirling like Nazi villain, basically. That's funny. And he's I think he starts. I mean, it's pre, it's pre, it's like World War One era, but you know, yeah. uh, German villain. But he, like, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he he's he's a, an excellent actor, and I feel like he would he definitely fit in this role. And he's like kind of he's kind of beefy. He can be a bruiser, so I'd buy him in it. Well, uh, he was very beefy in the movie where uh, was that a Grand Tur- not Grand Torino. Um, the the move El El Camino. Okay, yeah, yeah. He's just like it's like the flashbacks, but he's fatter. <laughs> it's like it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but okay, yeah. Uh, so who? Uh, let's go with uh, with Jenny. Who do you have? All right, my Jenny. I went through a few different actresses, but I ended up landing on Anya Taylor Joy. Yep, I liked her for this, and 
Yeah, that's it. I, I liked her. I mean, I, I, I was specifically picturing her like accent and the way she performs sure. in The Witch. Um, yeah. That's specific, I think it would carry over nicely to play like a kind of like the uh, Irish pickpocket. So I liked it. So I, um, I went, so I, I kind of thought about the act, the, the character of Jenny. And I was like, ultimately, she needs to be an outsider. But so, like we're, you know, she would fit in as like a maid she's not she can't be like high society um you know she's she's of sort of the five points Mm -hmm. so i actually went with zendaya zendaya okay uh you know i just saw she's obviously great in spider-man she's excellent in dune um yeah uh nice i think i think she could do it And, and the fact that you know having a mixed race actress in that role kind of adds to her otherness right right yeah it's definitely interesting so let's go with uh with amsterdam who do you have i went with an actor that i actually greatly admire he's not really a household name but i think he should be because i think he's very talented and that is aaron taylor johnson yeah um i first saw him and it was either it could have been the uh, avengers movie where he plays um Quicksilver, yeah. Quicksilver, or could have been Nowhere Boy, would plays John Lennon in his teen teen years. He's a very um, emotional type of actor. Um, I just like I just, when he's on screen, I, I tend to look at him, uh, and I think he would pull this off really well. Especially who I who I picked for Bill, I think the two of them would play off each other really well. So, yeah. So um, I struggled with this. I'm surprised I, I, it wasn't just an easy Timothy Chalamet for you. Uh, well, I I think he'd be very good in it, but I think he's like too. Physically, I would have trouble seeing Timothy Chalamet physically fight right one of my, like Bill in, right. in this, and I think he's great, you know. And if he if he yeah, and, and I also didn't want to have him and Zendaya, you know, in, in the movie because they were just doing it together, right? Uh, but yeah, I, I think you know, Chalamet absolutely could do it. Uh, but I went with Ansel Elgort. You've mentioned is, this guy before, I think. I think I've used him in one other episode. He's he was recently the lead in uh, future guest Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Uh, he's in Baby Driver. He's got a very kind of unique look to him. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Can, yeah. He can. He can. He looks like he can handle himself more so than than Timothy Chalamet can. Yeah. That uh, I, I feel like not that you know Leo in this movie is like oh Leo's a fucking bruiser like he you know but I think uh, yeah 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 but I think uh, you know. I think Elgort's the way to go for this one, but Chalamet would be great. Uh, you know, we, we, we have our guys that we use for for all of these fucking movies that yeah. like, you know, all these like young up and coming, like, you know, but yeah, the, the I, I think that works. So yeah. let's go to Bill the Butcher. Man, this was uh, a ride, but I, I, I came down to two names mm-hmm. and uh, I'll guess I'll give you, I'll give him a runner up. Okay. Leonardo DiCaprio. Hmm. Interesting. Because yeah, just based off of a movie we're going to be watching soon is uh, Django, and he can play a ruthless fucking piece of shit. Sure. Um, and I think that would be very interesting to see. But my ultimate choice was, in fact, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's th- my runner-up. Yeah, I, I think I think I yeah. think Hardy's got it. I'm interested to hear your uh, your 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 pick. Uh, so Tom Hardy, like this, this is like fifty-one forty-nine because Tom Hardy is absolutely could fucking do it. Yep. Um, but I went with a guy who 
And Tom Hardy would do it in the same way where it's just like he's, he'd be like a weird accent and he'd, he'd be great. Yeah. But I went with Fassbender. Okay. Yeah. I didn't even think of him. Yeah. I mean, he's so versatile. He's, <laughs> what is he like? He's like so many ca- actor, characters for us. He's like Hannibal Lecter. He's Bill yeah. the Butcher. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's great. He's like, what? I mean, he's, yeah. It, if, you have, if, if you have an to, iconic role, throw Fassbender in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's tough to, uh, pick somebody to succeed Daniel Day Lewis in a role. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard. And I think, you know, Bill, he needs to be very intense. And I think, you know, Leo could definitely do it. Leo's obviously great. You know, Tom Hardy absolutely could do, can do intense and Mm -hmm. like physically is like, you know, obviously we've seen with like as Bane and, you know, we've seen him in Warrior and we've seen him, you know. Peaky Blinders. Have, have you seen him in Peaky Blinders? No, but, oh, you know, Mad him. Max, like so many, so many things. Peaky Blinders is like, you don't understand a word he's saying the whole time. He plays like this, like uh, this Jewish thief. And yeah. he has like a very strange English accent. That's like most of the time you're like, what the hell is he saying? <laughs> it's amazing. Right. He's so good. So that's recasting. Let's go to miscellaneous. You have anything for miscellaneous? Um, I do know that DiCaprio broke Daniel Day, Day Lewis's nose while fighting, and I mean, good thing Leo and him are friends because uh, I wouldn't want to be the guy to break his nose. Did Daniel but... Lewis like put the curse on him that was just like one day you're gonna cut your hand while filming a movie <laughs> with Quentin Tarantino? <laughs> I know, right? This is the one other thing I have to say, and it is by far the craziest thing I've ever said in miscellaneous history. Okay. Here's a little snippet from what I read on the IMDb trivia. And if you read the trivia, you know, you, you're going to know what I'm talking about. If this is true. In fact, when the film was first conceived in 1978, yeah. Martin Scorsese planned to cast Dan Aykroyd as Amsterdam <laughs> Valen and John Belushi as Bill the Butcher. <laughs> Uh, and then last, and then there was a cast reshuffle, and then he wanted Mel Gibson as Valen and Willem Dafoe as the Butcher. Dafoe, that would have worked in the nineties. It, it would have been better, but yeah. John know, Mel Gibson Belushi. has some baggage now that he wouldn't have had back then. But yeah, that... <laughs> man, Belushi as Bill the Butcher. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Marty, I think you're a great director, but I don't think you could have directed that performance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been bizarre. Uh, Dan Aykroyd's so my... like Bill, you ignorant slut. <laughs> So is so the scene where they, they go see Uncle Tom's cabin is Daniel Lee Lewis looking at like the fake Lincoln and being like, I'm going to fucking wreck you. Like, give me a few years. Or he throws the knife at his poster in the beginning of the movie when you first meet him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is a, a brief story that Liam Neeson tells about this movie. And just it's a great Daniel Lee Lewis story. So Liam Neeson's like, you know, he's he's on a treadmill. He's running the treadmill. And he hears, I don't know how well it's going to come out of the microphone, but he hears thump. Thump. Hmm. And he's like, what the hell is that? And this is like at early in the morning, it's like 1 to 2 a.m. It's like, what the fuck is that? He gets off the treadmill, he goes in the other room, and it's Daniel Day Lewis in full costume throwing a knife at the wall. <laughs> And go, like in the middle of the night and he, and like going and grabbing it and he looks and he just looks 
and <laughs> he looks at him. He goes, "Priest." <laughs> and Neeson so just good. closes the door. <laughs> <laughs> he's, I, I pictured him closing it slowly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope Bill. I hope Neely Lewis had the glass eye into. He's just full. Like he's full Bill. Yeah. I read one miscellaneous thing that was not, not that it's calm. You know, it, it's the only Lewis was like his hair was so greasy every day because it's, 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 it's a greasy mess. He's like, as soon as the movie ended, he just shaved his head bald. It must've been so uncomfortable to have that hair. Right. <laughs> so but. let's go to the Oscars. Let's do it. So let's go through the minutes. So this, uh, this is an episode or this is a year we've covered in a couple of episodes, of course, uh, two towers and catch me if you can. So best picture is won by Chicago. Gangs of New York is nominated. Um, the Two Towers is nominated. Uh, in real life, The Hours and The Pianist are nominated. But I do believe we replaced The Hours with uh, Catch Me If You Can. Yep. Okay. So where are we standing here? Do we still like Two Towers as the winner? Because that's what we that's what we picked. I, I, I know that when, when, when you were definitely two towers, I think, uh, I think Joe was two towers. I think I was on the fence back then too. Yeah. I remember specifically being on the fence and I still don't know. I mean, I would, I would be happy with the gangs or two towers when. Okay. I'm sticking with two towers personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even mind yeah. the fact that Chicago won because that's kind of cool that a musical won, but I just think that it was a really tough year and two towers or gangs should have won, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, best director in real life was won by a noted scumbag, Roman Polanski, acquaintance of the show from our uh, Rosemary's Baby episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, other nominees were Rob Marshall for Chicago, Martin Scorsese for Gangs of New York, Stephen Daldry for The Hours, who I believe we kicked out for Spielberg, and Pedro Almodovar. So what did Roman director. direct that year? The Pianist. Oh, The Pianist. I haven't seen it, but for me, I'm going with Marty. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, well, actually, I'm sorry. Uh, we also put in, uh, we got rid of Pedro Almodovar and replaced him with Peter Jackson. Oh, yeah. I forgot about two. I already forgot about Two Towers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that movie. I mean, of the nominees, Scorsese. Um, yeah. But I think it's... <sighs> I mean, uh, in, in a perfect world, I feel like Jackson has won the year before for his like creation of middle earth you right. know but i don't know that's that's tough that's tough yeah it is tough again i'd be happy with either one of those wins yeah i think i think so uh best actor don't get me mad so don't get me mad rick well here's the interesting thing because daniel day lewis is nominated for best actor yep and should he be best actor or should he be in best supporting well, he is in the movie a lot. Yes. I mean, he's in the very beginning. He's in the very end. He's in all the middle scenes. I mean, he might have more screen time. Well, maybe not more screen time than DiCaprio, but I think this might be equal screen time. Okay. So we'll, we'll consider him the best actor. So the winner, of course, is the year where Adrian Brody wins for The Pianist. Uh, Nicolas Cage is nominated for Adaptation. Daniel Day-Lewis, of course. Uh, for Gangs of New York, Jack Nicholson and about Schmidt. And of course, um, we can't talk about the Oscars without talking about Michael Kine, who is nominated for The Quiet American. But I think... You bumped him off he, Andy Serkis, right? 
well, no, Circus would be supporting, but we okay. bumped him off, I believe, for Leo in Catch Me If You Can. Okay. Uh, or I think we were like we were deciding what. Yeah, it'll be, it was Catch Me If You Can because uh, Day Lewis is nominated here. Right, right. We're like, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's got to be Day Lewis. This is a no-brainer to me. Like, if there's any, if there's anything of him, hey Derek, were you ever mad at the Oscars? Yes, I was. 2002 when Day Lewis didn't win for Best Actor. That's the, the the thing that pisses me off the most. Knowing that he won three Oscars and none of them were for Gangs in New York is just shocking to me. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 I would agree with that. Um, you know, I know, uh, I know this. Uh, you know, Nicolas Cage is controversial when, uh, whenever he's brought up, but he's he's a second place for me. I uh, will. S- I will say that if somebody said, "What are your three favorite characters of all time in movies?" Just off the top, just real quick, if I had to not think about it. Hannibal Lecter, Bill the Butcher, and Travis Bickle. So, Daniel Day Lewis's performance is in there right away. I could think of him. So that 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 goes to show you how I feel about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, I, I agree. Yeah, he should have won this year. Um, nobody really for Best Actress here. Um, best Supporting Actor is won by Chris Cooper for Adaptation. Other enemies are Ed Harris in The Hours, Paul Newman for Road to Perdition, who I believe we did knock out for Viggo Mortensen. Mm-hmm. Uh, or no, not Viggo Mortensen, for uh, Andy Serkis. Yep. John C. Riley in Chicago, and Christopher Walken in Catch Me If You Can. Good year for John C. Riley. Good John C. Riley. This is before he was like, I'm just going to do comedies. Right. It, it's, and, it's so weird. To, to and I'm, kind of, I'm, like, I'm yeah. kind of upset that he went that direction. I mean, I love him as a comedian and, and the funny guy, but like, he's a good serious actor. Like, I think he underestimates himself. I remember reading in the trivia that he was like, he wasn't sure if he should take the role. He wasn't sure if he was right for it. And he was excellent. Yeah. I, I yeah, I, I would like to see him do more dramatic stuff, but yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll, t- I'll take a Dewey Cox sequel, but. <laughs> How would you do a sequel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cox? I forgot that he died. Yeah, it's his whole life. <laughs> the yeah, lines like do it, do it. Cox like to think about his whole life before <laughs> he performs. The other day, Gia had an opportunity at work. They were talking about COVID or something like that, and her boss was like, "She's like, she's like, yeah, Gia, there's something happening here." And Gia's like, "And what it is ain't exactly obvious." <laughs> and the same thing it does. <laughs> She was like, she, the Dewey Cox line. I was like, it's so good. But, um, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he gets, he gets hooked up with Will Ferrell after this and obviously goes the, the comedy route. Yep. Uh, and you know, he's, he's tremendous in those movies. Like, you know, Step Brothers is a classic. Yep. Uh, Talladega Nights is a fucking classic. Like, a, um, yeah. So big year for him. Where are we feeling? You know, I mean, it, do we like Andy Serkis here? Do we like, I mean, what, what, what are we thinking? I think, I think Andy Serkis deserves yeah. win. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, best supporting, we can talk about Cameron Diaz, but I, nah, I, I don't think so. Yeah. No. Although right, so this, she did say that um, in an interview that um, it, she found out it took Daniel Day-Lewis like three months to not be Bill the Butcher after the movie. That's sure. just a, which is nuts. It reminds me of like Jim Carrey and Man in the Moon. It was like some actors just can't get rid of it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, what are we eating with this movie? Mutton, mutton, <laughs> or just some really, really raw steak? Yeah. Oh yeah, rare blue. 
<laughs> he Blue. basically he basically just gets a sear on each side and it's like okay it's done <laughs> it's good we're good like a fucking burger yeah yeah uh, he's he's yeah uh, yeah i agree i mean it's, it's build a butcher we, we, we need some meat with this we're gonna tenderize yeah. this meat yeah i mean i'll probably go medium rare but Oh, you I'm know, black not, not, and blue with this movie. Not, not usually yeah. I'm like a rare to medium rare, but black yeah. and fucking blue for Bill Butcher. Yeah, he just wants the fucking cow thigh in his plate. Damn right he does. <laughs> um, <laughs> so let's uh, let's get to the most important part of the show. And that is when I put 30 seconds on the clock. And Derek tells us why this is the greatest movie. Why Gangs of New York is the greatest movie of all time. Derek, are you ready? Yes. Three, two. One, go. The, the music, the directing, the acting, the story, the cinematography. I'm not saying it's the Godfather, but I'm saying that in every category in this movie, it's pretty high up there. Uh, I think this is one of the greatest movies ever made. I know there's some people, there's some haters out there of this movie. I don't really understand why. Dylan Day Lewis alone is the reason why you should watch this movie. It is the best performance I've ever seen. All right, so it's uh, 27 seconds. Uh, yeah, excellent movie. I, I mean, we've had some some real bangers this, in season two here. So I'm, I'm really interested as to where this is going to rank uh, come season finale time. But that has been our episode on Gangs of New York. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, let's talk about what we have coming up next week. I believe we did mention we're going to continue Civil War Month with glory oh boy and it's kind of the odd man out because the following week we're catching up with leo yep in a, what is again technically not a civil war movie but we're, we're rolling with it yep django unchained and that's going to bring us to the end of january i think our uh, our, i think our you know i think we're, we're rethinking some of our future uh episodes but i think our first episode of february i believe we're going to keep that I, I would you say yes I yeah, think so too. I think uh, I think we're uh, jumping ahead to Boston. Boston. Uh, talking about a guy who we did speak about in this episode, Matt Damon. We're going good will hunting. Oh yeah, it's hunting season. It certainly is. <laughs> so that is uh, that's what we have coming up. Can't wait, Derek. What do we have coming up on the greatest album of all time podcast? We are. Uh, we're actually doing something really exciting. Me and Jir are going to be placing our road mic that we have here in the middle of the room. And we're just going to sit in the couch and do it the old fashioned style, just back to back. Usually she goes upstairs. I stay downstairs. We want to see each other face to face. She chose an album that is considered one of the greatest of all time. If you haven't heard it, just go listen to it. It is incredible. And that is Tapestry by Carol King. Every song on there is basically a hit. And it's just unbelievable. I actually won a slew of Grammys. Um, it's a very kind of a mellow album for the most part, but I think everybody will enjoy it. So that one's coming up next. And she doesn't know this, but I've chosen the album after that. And that will be 1987, the year I was born. Uh, 1987's uh, Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses, a band that I'm not completely into, but I think it'll be a lot of fun to do another 80s album. So Yeah, no, and that's going to be, uh, that's such a seminal album as well for, you know, for... Guns N' Roses is a weird band because they're like half grunge, half glam. Like it's, it's. And I almost get like a very, very, very small percentage of like almost classic rock too from yeah. them. So like, I don't ever consider like if somebody's like, Oh, do you like hair metal, bubble eighties? I don't 
consider Guns N' Roses in that genre. I think they're a little bit better than the hair metal scene. Yeah, no, no. I agree. I agree. I agree. They're, they're, they're interesting. I, mean, I can't wait for the episode. I think it's yeah. really good. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, join us. Join the Greatest Album of All Time podcast as well. Uh, I have been your co-host, Rick Barrasso. I've been your co-host, the big, the big Butcher Boski. And thank God we end this episode as true Americans. <laughs>